I offer my respectful obeisance unto you. I meditate upon you, upon Lord Sri Krishna, because he is the absolute true and the primeval cause of all causes, of, cre- of the creation, sustenance, and destruction of the manifested universes. He is directly and indirectly conscious of all manifestations, and he is independent because there is no other cause beyond him. It is he only who first imparted the Vedic knowledge unto the heart of Brahmaji, the original living being. By him even the great sages and demigods are placed into illusion. As one is bewildered by the illusory representations of water seen in fire or land seen on water, only because of him due to do the material universes temporarily manifested by the reactions of the three modes of, of nature appear factual, although they are unreal. I therefore meditate upon him, Lord Sri Krishna, who eternally existed in the transcendental abode, which is forever free from the illusory representations of the material world. I meditate upon him, for he is the absolute truth. Continue the purport. Mm. In the Vedic literature, it is said that the absolute truth, personality of God, is the chief amongst all living personalities. All living being, beginning from the first created being, Brahma, down to the smallest ant, are individual living beings. And above Brahma, there are even other living beings with individual capacities. And the personality of God is, is also a similar living being. And he's an, an individual, as are the other living beings. But the Supreme Lord, or the Supreme Living Being, has the greatest intelligence. And he possesses supermost and conceivable energies of all different varieties. If a man's brain can produce a space satellite, one can very easy, easily imagine how brains higher than man can produce similar wonderful things, which are far superior. The reasonable person will easily accept this argument, but there are stubborn atheists who will never agree Srila Vyasadeva, however, at once accepts the Supreme Intelligence as the Parama, Parameshwara. He offers his respectful obeisances unto the Supreme Intelligence, addressed as the Para, or the Parameshwara, or the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And that Parameshwara is Sri Krishna, as admitted in Bhagavad Gita and other scriptures, Delivered by Sri Vyasadeva and specifically in this Srimad Bhavatam. 
in Bhagavad Gita, the Lord says that there is no other paratatva, sumum bonum, than himself. Therefore, Sri Vyasadeva at once worship the paratatva, Sri Krishna, whose transcendental activities are described in the tenth canto. Unscrupulous persons go immediately to the tenth canto, and especially to the five chapters, which describe the Lord's Rasa dance. This portion of the Srimabhatam is the most confidential part of this great literature. Unless one is truly accomplished in the transcendental knowledge of the Lord, one is sure to misunderstand the Lord's worshipable transcendental pastimes, Aladrasa dance, and his love affairs with the gopis. This subject matter is highly spiritual, and only the liberated persons who have gradually attained to the stage of Paramahamsa can transcendentally relish this rasa dance. Srila Vyasadeva, therefore, gives the reader the chance to gradually develop spiritual realization before actually relishing the essence of the pastimes of the Lord. Therefore, he purposely invokes the Gayatri Mantra, Dimahi. This Gayatri Mantra is meant for spiritually advanced people. When one is successful in chanting Dayati Mantra, he can enter into the transcendental position of the Lord. One must therefore acquire Brahminical qualities or be perfectly situated in the quality of goodness in order to chant the Gayatri Mantra successfully and then attain to the stage of transcendentally realizing the Lord, His name, His fame, His qualities, and so on. Srima Bhautam is the narration of the Swarupa of the Lord, manifested by his internal potency. And this potency is distinguished from the external potency which has manifested the cosmic world, which is within the, our experience. Shilavyasadeva makes a clear distinction between the two in this shloka. Shilavyasadeva says, herein that the material that the manifested internal potency is real, whereas the external manifested energy is in the form of the material existence is only temporary and illusory, like the mirage in the desert. In the desert mirage, there is no actual water. There is only the appearance of water. Real water is somewhere else. The manifested cosmic creation appears as a reality, but reality of which this is but a shadow is in the spiritual world absolute true, is in the spiritual uh, absolute true is in the spiritual sky, not the material sky. In the material sky everything is relative true. That is to say one true depends on something else. This cosmic creation results from interaction of the three modes of nature and as the temporary manifestations are so, so created as to present an illusion of reality to the bewildered mind of the conditioned soul who appears in so many species of life, including the higher demigods like Brahma, Indra, Chandra, and so on. In actuality, there is no reality in the manifested world. There appears to be reality, however, because of the true reality which exists in the spiritual world, where the presentative Godhead eventually exists 
with his transcendental paraphernalia. Umagyanati mirandasya, yananjana salakaya, chakshurum militam yena, tasmai shri gurave namaha. I was born in darkest of ignorance, and my spiritual master, Srila Prabhupada, my eyes with the torchlight of knowledge. Therefore, I offer my humble respect and obeisance unto him. Srila Prabhupada ki jai. Mm-hmm. So, it's very important to distinguish reality from illusion. What is real and what is temporary. Something real is eternal. Something temporary is illusory. An illusion, like the mirage in the desert, appears to be water there, but there is no water. Just a mirage. In the same way, this material world is a perverted reflection of the spiritual world. Because in the spiritual world there are people and there are relationships and there are land and mountains and rivers and houses and loving relationship with Krishna. So in the material world that reflects like a shadow. The material world is a shadow of reality. Everything here has a beginning, has an end. In the spiritual world, no beginning, no end. Everything is forever. The love between the souls and Krishna is forever. So unless we understand what is real and what is unreal, we cannot get out of the illusion of material existence. So ignorance is the cause of our suffering. Because of ignorance... We're trying to forget Krishna, try to enjoy the material world separately from Him. And that causes our bondage in repeated birth and deaths, changing bodies after life, trying to look for, for real happiness, which is not here in this material world, because real happiness is, is in the spiritual world, eternal. When Prabhupada visited South America, one man asked him, uh, why we are suffering. And Prabhupada told him, because we have material bodies, that's why you are suffering. If you want to stop suffering, then you must get yourself in the next life a spiritual body. Then you don't have to suffer anymore. Ever. So, of course, impersonalists, they have a great trouble to understand spiritual form. For them, any form is material. There is no such thing for them as a spiritual form because their experience in the material world, any form is material. So to speak to them about spiritual form is something beyond their their capability of understanding. But by the, with the help of the scriptures and the, the spiritual master, one can understand that this Material world is just a shadow. The impersonality they think is not a shadow, but rather is is false. But the material world is not false. It's real, but it's temporary. So by by telling people there are no varieties in the spiritual eternal life, in, in, in a sense they are pushing people to be materialistic enjoyers because... People like to have varieties, and if there is no variety in the spiritual life, then it's very boring. Mm-hmm. 
So that's the, the main problem. And, and there's one group who came to see Prabhupada when he was there. And uh, they were a metaphysical group. They were into metaphysics and they followed a lady who was a famous uh, writer. He was in a metaphysic and to an impersonalist. And she came to talk with Prabhupada. And their idea was that uh, we are all God. Mm-hmm. So when Prabhupada was speaking about chanting Hare Krishna, she said, she said, well, for me, this chanting Hare Krishna is like some kind of self-hypnosis. Like some African tribe, they try to, you know, do some dance or some chanting and enter into some kind of trance. So Prabhupada said, that's your opinion, but you are not an authority. And Prabhupada called it Krishna's authority. In the Bhagavad Gita, where Krishna says, Satatam kirtayantamam, my devotee is always chanting my glories. She said, oh, well, for us, the, the out, spiritual authority in the Western world is Saint Germain, some unknown French mental speculator. And she said, according to him, the name of God that we should chant is I am. Prabhupada said, I am is not a name. Uh, I mean, Allah or, or Christ or Jehovah or Adonai, you know, it may be a name of God, but I am is not a name. She said, well, uh, in the Bible it is said that when God was asked, who are you? He said, I am who I am. Prabhupada said, I'm not familiar with that part of the Bible. Any of you are asking the disciple, have read this? And one of the say, yes, Prabhupada. When Moses was sent by God to deliver his people from, from slavery in Egypt, he asked the Lord, if they ask me who sent me, what should I say? And the Lord apparently said, I am, tell them I am who I am. He wanted to reveal even his name to them. <laughs> For some reason, he appeared in a burning bush, you know, and the sound of his voice was here, but he would not show his form or give his name. For some reason, unknown to us. Well, maybe he wasn't that, that qualified, sent Elijah to, to, to see the form of the Lord. Anyway, uh, Prabhupada said, that's no problem. God can say, I am. We also can say, I am. But both I am are not on the same level. When, when we say, I am, I am a tiny, a tiny spark, spirit soul. But when God say, I am, means I am the origin of everything. I am the all. And when we say I am, I am the part, and he's the all. And the part can never become all. She said, well, we are evolving. One day we will become God. Prabhupada said, there is no such evolution. The part is always the part. The all is always the all. The part can never become the all. The same way, we are part of God, but we can never become God. That post is already taken. We are only part of him. 
uh, and Prabhupada told her, for example, in your Bible it is said that God said, let there be creation, and the creation was already there immediately. But if you're hungry and you say, let there be chapati, no chapati, you have to sweat to work to get the chapati. So there is a difference between you and God. She said, well, well, uh, we are evolving. One day we will become God. Papa said, there is no such evolution. The part can never become the all. So she said, oh, we are not going to be one with the all? Papa said, you already are in the all, but you are not the all. It's like like in a machine. There is a, a part of the machine, screw there and uh, we the, we can say the screw is one with the machine but the screw is not the whole machine it's only part of it uh, the same way we are in the all but we are not the all we are part of it do you agree? she said well uh, yes I agree we are part of the all Rafa said very good now bring the prasad yeah, they have to agree Otherwise, there is no prasad. <laughs> so, I mean, I want to speak of the atheists. The atheists, you know, they just don't can't understand God. So that's why they deny because they can't understand that there is a supreme being. I mean, we are living entities. God is also a living entity. But we are tiny, we are small, and he is the greatest. Nobody is greater than him. Nobody is equal to him. Everything emanates from him, everything is maintained by him, and everything is destroyed by him, the course of time. So knowing the truth about the Supreme Lord shall make us inquisitive about our eternal well-being. I mean, we came to this material world seeking happiness, but we find a lot of misery along the way. So, if we are low intelligent, we must ask ourselves, I mean, why am I suffering? What is, what is the reason behind my suffering? If I don't want to, that's the question Sanatana Goswami asked Lord Chaitanya the first time he made them. He told him, people think I am a scholar, I know Sanskrit, I know other languages, uh, but I I don't even know who I am. Please instruct me who I am and why am I suffering the threefold miseries? You know who are the threefold miseries? Adhyatmika, Adivautika, Adivautika, Klesha. Adhyatmika means miseries from the body and the mind. The body gives ailment, the the pain, you know, sickness, disease. And the mind gives anxiety and worries and, you know, uh, confusion. And and the other miseries are the Bautica, Klesha, the misery that others give you. Uh, somebody wants to harm you or speak ill of you. Or even a dog wants to bite you, you know. There's always somebody who wants to create some problem for you. Uh, and at the Daivika Klesha is the misery caused by nature. Too much cold, too much heat. 
storms, mm. hurricanes, tsunamis, always something going on. If not one, the other. Or the two or three at the same time. But we, with our human intelligence, we try to counteract that by technology. I mean, okay, there's too much heat, we create EC, okay, we can be a little more comfortable. Uh, if there's too much cold, we have a heater to warm ourselves. So we try always struggling for existence. But this struggle for existence can end when we surrender to Krishna. Because he's the supreme protector of all surrendered soul. And if we understand that beside Krishna there is no other shelter in the material world, so we will not waste our time trying to make arrangements to be more comfortable in the material world, knowing everything is temporary. Rather, whatever we need to do, we need to do it. And uh, at the same time, we develop our practice for a spiritual realization. Uh, one has to maintain his body and soul together, uh, obviously. But with what purpose? For the purpose of self-realization. To achieve understanding of the soul and its eternal relationship with Krishna. That's the purpose of human life. So we accept everything needed to maintain the, uh, the soul and body together so we can develop uh, or uh, awaken our, our loving relationship with Krishna, which is there dormant in the heart of every living being. Because being part and parcel is natural for the part to serve the, the, the all. It's like the hand is part of the body. And the function of the hand is to serve the body. But either by cleaning or eating. or uh, the, And the hand is satisfied in that way. But if the hand wants to enjoy separately the food by squeezing it without giving it to the stomach, the hand uh, will not be satisfied. So that's what most people try to do. Try to enjoy themselves separately from, from Krishna. And the only thing they create is more anxiety and confusion in their lives, more misery. So we have to become more intelligent and understand that the Srimad Bhavatam's message is to help us understand the reality different from illusion. So this reality is, is, is the, the supreme absolute reality, unchangeable. The material uh, true changes with the passing of time, which was true a few years ago, now changed to some other new theory. Scientists, they criticize religion, saying it is sentiment or so-called belief. But they themselves, when they present their theories, they say perhaps, maybe, could be, and this and that. That's not science. That's mental speculation. So, anyway, thank you for coming, listening to the Shriva Bhattam. Any comments, questions? Of course, chanting is the first activity in devotional service. 
I mean, there are nine processes of devotional service. And the first three are the most important. Chanting, hearing, remembering. Hearing, chanting, remembering. And the three are included in one, which is chanting. Because when we chant, we also hear and remember Krishna. So chanting is the most important activity, actually, of all other activities. Because it can help us be Krishna conscious and remain Krishna conscious. So chanting is the process Lord Chaitanya brought to this material world. He said, Kirtaniya Sadahari, one should always chant the holy name. How many rounds you're chanting? Yeah. Very good. Congratulations. Keep it that way. <laughs> what about you? Are you doing any chanting at all? Yeah. How many? Okay. Good. You only have to go two more and you make it to 16. Yes, why not? You can do it. Who say that? Why not? It may take take some time, but it can be done. I mean, uh, uh, Bhaktisanta Saraswati, the Guru of Prabhupada, he chanted millions of names. Took him like 10 years or something, but he did it. Yeah, yeah, right. But the important thing is to chant every day, you know. Try to reach 16 and don't diminish. That's the minimum, Prabhupada said. So if you're chanting already 14, make a little more effort and chant 16. Prabhupada said when you chant 16, it's like holding the hand of your father because you're following his instructions, you your father is holding your hand, he's taking you along. But if you don't chant the 16, you are by your own. So that's why it's so important to chant the minimum 16 every day. All right, any other comment, question? Thank you very much. Hare Krishna, Srila Prabhupada Ki, Jai, Gaur Premanandi, Hari Bhav.